Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Today, I am talking to the delightful Tim Davis, who is a 20-year veteran in the music industry. He has produced and performed in virtually every corner of film and music and television. He is Hollywood's go-to vocal arranger and producer for many popular film and TV series, such as Glee. He is now being featured on camera as well, starting with ABC's Boy Band. I'm an explorer's journey out of Nashville into the unique world of film and television. I want to ask him about his role in the entertainment and how his faith has grounded him through his struggles and helped to orchestrate his triumphs. I also want to discover how he has become such a spiritual father by doing practical intensives for up-and-coming talent. Join me, Sean Bowles, on Exploring the Industry. I'm so excited about our show today because we have Tim Davis. You're a legend. I'm so excited. I'm a legend. You're a legend. It's like, I mean, what's funny, here's what I love, is that for years people told me I had to meet you, and uh, I, I was interested in like what you did because i really loved the show glee when it was on i know that's controversial some of you're like looking at me going do you love glee but you love glee because you were of the course i did director and the musical what, what was that the arranger i was the vocal director vocal arranger yeah. yeah and i mean we would fast forward and just watch all those scenes you know and that was like how i first got introduced to you as you were still working on the show i didn't know you yet though and then when i met you i loved the thing i loved the best or the most about you is that I love to watch you when we're watching music together. If it's someone on a worship team or if it's like a oh, sh- no. show or something, because you get this look that you can't hide it on your face. Like you, <laughs> your face turns into Simon Cowell. Oh my you all gosh. of a sudden, like, I know exactly what you're thinking. <clears throat> and it's my favorite because you have perfect tone. Like you inside of you is like perfect music. So when something is not and it's presented as what it is, you're just like, you have this <laughs> look. And I, I don't know how to describe it, but I'm just, I could picture like, what you're saying inside, or at least trying to mentor yourself not to say out loud. <laughs> it's called character the now. judging face. <laughs> judging Absolute face. judgment. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. No. I mean, like you, you have like you have a gift, obviously, in music, and so it's it's fun mm-hmm. to watch you because I, I can kind of because I'm I'm a novice. So like when I look at people and I'm like, oh, that sounded good, but I could look at you and go, it was okay, <laughs> or that was amazing, and I look at you and it's like, oh, it was amazing. That's a, that's awesome. You're like my barometer for music. <laughs> Thank you. So you've been around music your whole life, but really when you guys moved out from Nashville, you were doing some stuff into Mm -hmm. LA and that was a huge God journey where God really put, like he showed you how to move out here. Yeah. And you've been working on everything from musical direction to arrangements to, and I love like some of the projects people may not know as much as like your album with Jane Lynch and uh, for Christmas, which is amazing. You had your own Christmas album, but you guys have toured around and you guys have done this amazing Christmas album and these Christmas concerts, which, Oh my gosh, it's like one of my favorite things. And you arranged that you. music too. Yeah. And then you've done some stuff with Lady Gaga, Barbara Streisand. It just goes on and on. It just won't stop. Cause there's so many TV shows and so many, but um, in, in the industry, I want to start at the story from when you moved to LA, I think, because yeah. I think it's pretty fascinating that you and your family took such a huge risk to move out here. Like what, what happened? Tell us kind of that story. Well, we, my wife and I had, had gotten married. Melody is my wife. <clears throat> we got married and moved to Nashville because I wanted to be a background singer. I wanted to be a studio singer on records, and 
artist recordings. And so we moved out there and I had no idea how to, how to get started. But, um, I worked at a restaurant for a time for about five months and God opened doors quite miraculously for me. And you were waiting tables, right? I was waiting tables. And someone came in, this part of the story is fun too, because someone came in from the industry. Yeah. And discovered you. <clears throat> well, yeah. It, it was a, a woman named Claire. She was kind of bossy <laughs> watching. Um, and she um, discerned that I was a good singer somehow. She wanted my demo. I didn't have it. She demanded that I bring it to her office. Um, and I did. She, she was the vice president of Curb Records at the time. And she took my demo uh, rather annoyed because I, I kept putting her off saying, I, I don't have it to give you. <clears throat> but she put it in her CD player, listened to it for about 10 seconds and then, um, stopped it. Didn't say a word, went and picked up the phone and called Brown Bannister, who's was like the guy in, in town that I wanted to work with as a producer and said, yeah, I got the guy here for the session. Um, and she was like, can you, can you work on Thursday? Yes. Okay, he'll be there. Hang up. Oh she writes down his address, picks like hands me the sticky note. <clears throat> and I was like, he he's never heard me sing. He trusts me. Now get out of my office. <laughs> so I she had nothing to gain from that. She wasn't no, trying to be your agent or manager. No, she just was like no. she just saw you see people, it does happen. If you work at Starbucks or at a restaurant, it may happen for you too. <laughs> but the, the thing is that the, the most important point of that of that story in my life that set up a foundation for me, um, which has never changed. And the foundation was when I first moved to town, uh, you know, in our industry, it's all about making a reputation for yourself and marketing and promotion and, Who you know, and what yeah. You know and people and would tell me, you're just not good at promoting yourself. You really, you got to get out there and like make a name for yourself. No one's going to do it for you. And I was just like, gosh, stop. Okay, I hear that, and it seems right, but something about it feels so wrong. Wow. And um, I started asking the Lord, like, how how can I do this? Like, I'm just a guy who, like uh, thousands of other people who want to do what I want to do, and I, I don't have connections. I don't know how to start. And I started searching the word specifically about promotion. And I just started coming up with these scriptures, like uh, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south, but from the Lord alone. Yeah. And um, the Lord most high rules over all the kingdoms of man, and he'll lift you up and put you in, in a place, even the humblest and lowliest of men. Um, instead, be like Jesus, who made no reputation for himself. Wow. So it's like all of these things that were telling me the antithesis of what the world was telling me. <clears throat> so the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Yeah. And I really took this challenge. I felt like I had a challenge from the Lord. This is this is my word. It's very clear what I say in my word. If you humble yourself under my, under my mighty hand, I'll lift you up when it's time. And no one can take you out of my mighty hand. Wow. If you if you look to the feeble hand of man to lift you up, it will always drop you and be fickle. Uh so I was like, gosh, okay. So against everyone's advice, I just stayed in my restaurant and I, I literally was like, okay, I'm going to choose to humble myself and, 
it was kind of funny. Like uh, I had been at the restaurant about three weeks and all of a sudden all these people that I wanted to work with that I had followed and like artists and producers and singers that I wanted to work with all were sitting in my section. It became kind of like a joke, like, okay, God, this is hilarious. So I'd walk up to the table and I'd hear the Holy spirit in my ear. Shh, don't say a word. (laughs) Even though I'd be like, I want to work for you. <laughs> but I didn't. <clears throat> so I'd pour their coffee and I'd back away. Wow. And it became kind of like a little, our little joke. Um, then the Lord said, I have three assignments for you in this restaurant. And then I'll give you the desires of your heart. And uh, he brought me three different people that I was able to uh, minister to. And I, I talk about these three people all the time, but they're, they're like benchmarks in in this journey for me but they were three assignments that god gave me to love these people to love and it was right after that that claire came into the restaurant wow. and and uh, found me and so i went and did that session for brown banister i sang by myself on this record and he was like like i was feeling so insecure like i wasn't sure if i had what it took to do this career i'd never been trained i, I was just like I just knew I loved it. Which makes me sick because you're so good and you're so gifted that you were never trained. You're like this <laughs> prodigy that came out of the womb, like from Jesus. Singing. Yes. But you had, totally. That's the first thing that came out of your mouth is a musical note. But you, it is interesting that you struggle with that, with the insecurity factor yeah. in front of you. Finally at a place where God promoted you. Mm-hmm. He did what he does. Yeah. And you didn't have the resource to draw on of courage in that moment mm-hmm. other than just to be you, which is still beautiful. Yeah. But I, I started singing on this guy's record, and I, I was like, really, I had been practicing humility. Like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to assert myself in any way. And I said, um, do you have any ideas of what you want me to sing? And he was like, I want you to just create whatever you want to do. Wow. Like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so I went behind the mic, and I would try something, and he'd be like, oh, that's amazing. Like his reaction was so over the top. I was like, is this guy for real? Wow. Like, is he blowing smoke? Cause I, I don't know how to gauge this. Um, but he called a, a producer that night, another producer and recommended me for a job. That producer called me, uh, for the next morning for a job the next morning. And when I got to the studio for that job, the girl, uh, one of the girls that was the queen of all singers in that day in Nashville, her name's Lisa. <clears throat> she was at the studio. You know, I'm super intimidated by her because she's just like, I followed her for years and her voice is just, I've never heard anything like it. Um, So we go into the booth and we start singing together and it's like we've sung together for 30 years. Like wow. the, every nuance, every phrase, every vib- the vibrato, the yeah. tones just like <laughs> went, went together. After I left the session, she asked the producer for a copy of our vocals and took it around to every producer in town. And it was literally over that weekend that I got booked out for the next several weeks. Wow. And I had to quit my job the next day. I mean, it was crazy. It was one of those things. And I I just remember the Lord saying, see, my word is not just a bunch of nice stories for you to read. In this word are the keys to your life success and the keys to your destiny. Yeah. So remember this. 
you know, so that was a foundational thing for me. Um, and then we, my wife hears from the Lord that we're supposed to go to California, which I was vehemently opposed to. Was it because you already, like everything was now happening? Yeah, I was. Like you were happy. I, everything was awesome. We had an yeah. amazing church, an amazing group of friends, community. Um, I was making six figures a year as a studio singer in Nashville. I was like on top of the world. Yeah. And I, and when my wife approached us, we had just had our son and her mom and dad live in the Bay area, uh, San Francisco. And, um, she was like, I just, I'm, I want to be closer to my mom and dad, you know, and I've not really thought about this much before, but I'm just thinking, you know, what if we move back to California? I've just been, it's been in my heart. I'm like, God's going to have to write it on the wall. If we're moving to California, look at our lives. I mean, we're, he brought us here. He opened up all these doors. It's crazy. Our life is so good. Yeah. Why would we, we're going to die here as far as I know. So, um, wives almost always win though. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's really interesting <laughs> because my wife has been the the catalyst. Always yeah. the Lord speaks to her first. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do. Cause I don't know. I'm too ADD probably. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. So go tell Tim and he'll get it <laughs> after Eventually, a while. Yeah. He's going to fight you first. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she didn't bring it up again, but the Lord started speaking to me. I remember one time uh, I was around Christmas and I was writing in my journal and I saw my hand write, it's time to leave. And I crossed it out like, nope, oh, wow. no, 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 no. Um, but the Lord kept pressing on me that it was time to go to leave Nashville. And I was like, and I would fight him on it. I just like, what are you talking about? Like, where mm. would we go? Yeah. I don't know anyone in California like that, that could, and what am I going to, am I done with my career? I don't, I don't understand. When we got back from Christmas, one of our friends came through, through the door <clears throat> and she's kind of, she's one of those people at church, you know, it's kind of nutty. Like you always, you never know what's going to come out yeah. of their mouth. And she's like, y'all never going to believe what the Lord told me over Christmas. And I was like, you're right. We will <laughs> not, not believe, believe it. You. I won't believe you. And she said, um, the Lord told me y'all are moving to California. And instantly my, I swallowed my tongue and Melody goes, you know, I know you've not been wanting to talk about it, but, um, I can still see the scene in, in our kitchen, in our little apartment. <laughs> I know you've not been wanting to talk about it, but the Lord keeps bringing it back to me. And I've even had thoughts about being a part of a church plant. I'm like a church plant. I'm like, who are you? Yeah. We don't, we don't plant churches. This is not, we're not in ministry. Um, she said, yeah, I even had a picture of like a, um, this octagonal shaped building with floor to ceiling windows. Like we're singing on the worship team. My wife and I met. Um, and shortly after that, we were singing in a gospel group together. Oh, wow. But I, I never knew that. But we had stopped singing when we moved to Nashville because we had poured out so much. We just felt like the Lord was like, just receive. You know, wow. this is your season to receive. So for three years in Nashville, we didn't sing at church and it was just amazing. So, but now she has this vision of us on a worship team. I'm like, no, this is all wrong. Bye. Um, but that weekend, we went to church on Sunday during the worship time, the pastor got up and said, um, I feel like the Lord is really pressing on some people here who think that they're going to be here forever. I want you to look at this where this building used to be um, 
a shipping and receiving warehouse. And it still is today. God has brought some of you here to receive, and now he's going to send you out. Wow. He's filled you up with something, and now he's ready to send you out. And you're thinking, I don't want to be a missionary to Africa. I don't want to go to India. He said, but what about your own backyard? What about Hollywood? Now, what I just at that moment remembered was when I was in my early 20s, I was watching Beverly Hills 90210, as one does. As one does. And so I, many of us do. <laughs> and I, um, I remember this day so clearly. I was sitting there watching the screen, and I felt the Holy Spirit just like <clears throat> come onto me. And I had this overwhelming compassion for the people that I was watching. And I heard the Lord say, I'm going to use you one day to love these people. Now, I was as far away from the entertainment industry wow. as you could get at that time. But it all came back to me in this moment, sitting in church. And I look over and Melody's writing down on her in her journal, celebrities, Hollywood, influence. And we just looked at each other and knew that this was the Lord speaking wow. to us. I went to the pastor after church and I was like, hey, I think that word was for us that we're supposed to move to California. Really? Yeah. I said, my wife's even talked about being a part of a church plant. Really? I said, yeah, but I don't know anything about that. And he said, well, we met with our youth pastor and his wife on Wednesday night, and they um, are planning a church in Southern California. And we asked the Lord, just bring us a young family that can partner with them and wow. support them and, and go out. And I, seriously almost fell over. Like I, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe it. It was so yeah. specific and defined. A man plans his path and the Lord directs his steps. I was begging God. I was like, come on now. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I don't know anybody. What am I going to do in LA? Cause we wouldn't be paid by this church. It would just be sure. like, and it wasn't even directly in LA. No, it was in orange County. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So I, I still, I was just like, I have no idea. Um, but we we got in our car six months later and moved with no place to live, no job, no contacts. Wow. So it was like complete blind faith. Complete. We knew that we would be disobeying God if, if we didn't say yes. Yeah. I heard the Lord tell me, you can stay here but it will not go well for you. Oof. That's what I heard him say. Yeah. I was like, okay, we're going. <laughs> we'll go. So we, the whole way out, we, we had all these scriptures that we had um, taken from the Bible and written them down in the form of a prayer. And we just prayed it out loud the entire way, drive across the country from Nashville. And um, we asked for specific things about a place to live and a, 1960s ranch style house with a yard and like um my wife didn't tell me this but she had been praying for a double-sided fireplace in the living room with built-in oh. bookshelves and that was what was in our first house by the way of course <laughs> i mean it was crazy god cares about the details you know yeah. of our of our hearts and our on our minds so we moved into this house 24 hours after we got into Orange County, into this rental, 
They took the price down because they couldn't get anyone to rent it, which was just crazy because the realtors were telling us, there's no way you're going to get this house. It's, you know, it's going to go to doctors and lawyers and people with careers. Who are you and what do you have in your <laughs> you life? Know, you, you have no have, income coming in at you all. You have nothing. Yeah. And that's always feels good to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, it can take your faith from stun to nothing yeah. in two seconds, which it did mine. But um, the long, the longer story shorter is that we got into that house, and within two weeks, I had I met this lady randomly, which I know was not random, but she asked if if I um, wanted to sing on a film, and it was the first Spider Man movie. Oh wow! Uh, which was at Sony Pictures, and um, that was my first job, and. You know, it wasn't like suddenly the floodgates opened and we were millionaires, but it was, um, it was just like jobs kept coming in. Yeah. I didn't have to get another job. God just opened doors. When God wants to open a door, there's nothing man can do to stop it, you know? Yeah. So our life has been an adventure in faith and, uh, it still is today, even more so. So you end up getting on the show Glee. Yeah. And that's a big show. But then they had over 140 hits or something that were on the, on the billboard charts, which is yeah. crazy for a show. That's not, that's never happened before. No. Yeah. We did um, over 800 songs in oh six gosh. seasons. Yeah. How do you even do that many? How many of you were there that were helping to put that together? Oh, it was a big team. Yeah. Uh, in the music, in the music camp. Wow. Yeah. The music producer had a whole like staff of people and I was one of them was wow. the vocal arranger, vocal producer. So. so one of the things I've read in people magazine was that um, the writers of the show were using it to kind of, and this is from people magazine. They said mm -hmm. they're basically using this as an exhibition to express all of their pain that they were never able to express growing up. And so they're doing it all in the pain. So the show went from, like really edgy show to being almost like an infomercial slash their agenda. Mm -hmm. And so they were talking about the downfall of the show that it actually was because the writers, I don't know if that's true, but that was just people magazine report, but it must've been a little bit because it was so big. It must've, there must've been some trying times as far as the political agendas and the, and um, just all the different agendas were on the show. Plus that, that just the franchising it of trying to make everything a product. Mm -hmm. There's so many products that came out oh of the show. Gosh. Everywhere I looked, there was like a little backpack, a beanie, you know, like everyone's wearing stuff from the show yeah. just captured this generation. So what was God doing behind the scenes for you or through you? Interestingly, when I started working on the show, I had a, I had a number of my Christian friends who let me know that it was not okay with them that I was working on this show. And so they were going to unfollow me. Ooh. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. <laughs> unfollow me i can't be your friend on facebook anymore so um you know don't you love it though when people unfollow you because it actually makes you feel safer <laughs> it's like thank you for telling me bye-bye yeah bye um i yeah that was kind of that was so lame but it interestingly as you know, solidified as you can feel within yourself about something yeah. when people that you have relationship with start questioning you or make some pretty strong judgments against you, yeah. it causes you to question. Like you, you really got to like 
wait a minute, is what they're saying true? Or, you know, like, is this really, am I being a part of something that God's not happy about or, you know, whatever? I don't anymore, but that was a really good lesson for me. Um, it was right around that time. I remember being on set and standing at video village where all the, the directors and producers and everyone's sitting watching the screens and I felt the presence of God come on me suddenly like I did uh, watching TV that day. And he said, look around. You're here for one reason. This is not for your career. This is not for your status. I want to use you to love the people that are around you. I want you to get your hands on these people and show them the heart of the father. Yeah. Um, I want to use you as a bridge to walk across and touch these people. So I was like, wow. And suddenly it's like I that experience, that encounter with God in that moment, I feel like perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. Right. So all of this love came into me for these people. The compassion of Christ came into me. And fear fell off of me so that wow. it didn't matter who God pointed out to me that day. I, I didn't have fear approaching them. It wasn't just the fear of the religious side of it. Oh, whatever. no. Or I didn't care about that anymore. Didn't care. Mm -mm. I didn't care because yeah. I knew what my assignment was. God really reminded Daniel. me. Like Daniel's working for Nebuchadnezzar mm. directly. And he's at that moment where he's consecrated himself. Nebuchadnezzar was like, Hey, uh, you have to bow down and worship me basically. And he just, and he got delivered of something that he's like, you know, what? I'm going to do it God's way. And if I die, I die. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like you had that moment where a lot of people need to have that moment, whether it's the, the Israelites who were judging Daniel before that, where he was having to deal with that because all of a sudden he's in a place where he's getting held responsible as if he's making Nebuchadnezzar's decisions right. by the Jewish people. I think that happens in Hollywood a lot. Like people are judging you for being on a show as if you're the show's creator. You would have right, never right. created that show. Right. You would have created a way different version of the show, but you're working on something and impacting it, influencing it very differently than everyone else who's impacting and influencing it. But then you have that other experience where all of a sudden God speaks to you and you're there for love. Yeah. And I just think like if there's not Daniels that are raised up in these environments, no, there's no way that these people will ever find us. Of course. They're never, you know, so it's of just course. so beautiful that that became the bridge. Yeah. Um, one day, the main producer of the show approached me, and he was like, so you're one of those born-agains, aren't you? <laughs> I said. One of those. One of those born-agains. <laughs> Never heard that term, but yes. I said, yeah. Um, I said, well, it depends on your definition of a born-again, but I'm, I'm a Christian. He goes, but you don't hate the gays. I said, do you think I hate the gays? And he said, no. That was the end of the conversation. But then a few weeks later, he said, um, have you seen the new script? And I said, no. He said, I'm introducing a Christian character and I want you to look at the script. And I just want you to, to read it from your perspective as a Christian and, and make sure that everything feels right to you because I don't want wow. Christians misrepresented because I feel like they're not represented fairly ever in media. Wow. Now this guy is, um, that's like super emotionally intelligent. Of him. Oh my gosh. He's so brilliant Yeah, in every way. Um, gay man, um, 
I, I respect him and I really love him so much, but he, so for, for the people in the church who think, you know, why are you doing, why are you on that show? These are very real circumstances where you can actually influence Mm -hmm. culture. I mean, that he asked my opinion on this script and he was going to change something based on yeah. my my view of it. Yeah. It was a huge deal. But only God could do something like that. But only God could do something like that if I was willing to step into that arena. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So how many of us need to be in these, you know, I like I I know you you know all about Lance Wall now, Seven Mountains and yeah. but like we need to be in this mountain. We need to be occupying those spaces yeah. and um, truly influencing our culture from those high places. So I have so many stories of the, the actors who, most of whom raised in church, became bitter at the people that mistreated them and represented Jesus in, in, the, in the way that they did in a negative way and uh, just had a ton of conversations like that wow. where people just were vulnerable. They want to talk about their experience. Yeah. But if we're not there, who are they going to talk to? Yeah. Just other people who are bitter. <laughs> yeah. It is, so. well, and that's a cycle. I mean, we've both seen where there's, you know, if there's a, especially musicians or dancers or whatever, when they get on a show, probably half of them have Christian roots. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. if they just talk to each other, then it's just reinforcing the negative yeah. idea. I do want to go back to the producer because I think it's really interesting that homosexuality has been so misrepresented for so many years in media. Mm-hmm. And so they've been made fun of or almost it's almost like a bullied issue because they're like, this is what you are. And it's this like really flamboyant thing, or it's always the butt of all the jokes, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so homosexuals have now kind of been coming into mainstream. And it's I know for the church, it's one of our hot button issues because Christianity says, you know, we we may have that attraction, but we shouldn't pursue it because we're going after our impulses. We're going after what the Bible says. So, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's really interesting to me that this man actually looks at you and is doing for you what no one was doing for their community. He's saying, I want Christians to be represented fairly. Mm-hmm. And not many Christians would say that to the homosexual oh gosh, community. Say, I want so homosexuals to be represented fairly because we... I don't think that we've had a lot of people who are, I've seen a couple of movies where homosexuals are in the movie for whatever reason that Christians have done. And it's always the villain, almost mm-hmm. like Christians have always been the villain yeah. or it's always the flamboyant or it's like something that's so odd. Yeah. It's like the stereotype versus the reality. So to me like that, even you being there and him having to think through that causes him to have to think about God differently, or he's already thinking about God differently. Yeah. And then he looks at you as a source of credibility to me, that right there was a huge, huge thing. That, yeah. Not a small thing, but a huge thing because you're rebranding what Christianity is to him. Exactly. And to me, that's part of, you know, when your assignment is love and not to control people or try and, you know, pastor their morality or whatever, but it's actually oh just the love. That's you. So, so I just want to make that statement because I feel like there's something about when people are looking at, you know, Daniel and Joseph and Esther and people who actually had impact in culture throughout the old Testament, which to me is kind of the new Testament model. We're supposed to go into culture. All of them worked in kingdoms that they would have never started, Mm -hmm. that they would have never chosen to lead that way. I I just think it's like, what a beautiful picture that you're in Babylon Mm -hmm. and you're doing this. So last story, um, 
when you started off uh, kind of more recently on, you're, you're kind of one of the guys that people call when they need like a musical number done or they need musicians or whatever. Um, what are What's kind of a story in that genre where you've been able to help see more kingdom happen or see some things made possible that wouldn't have been made possible if you weren't given that position? I, I'm always thinking about just lives impacted, you know, just like uh, individuals. I've, I've kind of, and it was largely through Glee, I kind of became known as the guy that people wanted to work for, like, because they wanted to get jobs and, which I don't, I don't mind that. So that gave me kind of a platform. I started this um, intensive workshop thing for singers, studio singers, because there is no training for studio singers anywhere. Mm -mm. Wow. Nowhere. There's like workshop tracks and uh like you, different schools college, but you can't yeah like really teaching but you that. can take dance workshops you can take acting workshops there are no studio singing you I'm don't coming your, i'm coming your <laughs> no uh, <laughs> so um uh i started this thing in 2014 called studio singer intensive and basically uh i just open it up to people who want to come learn like a hand in a hands-on environment, they get behind the mic with other singers and they wow. like try it out. And I correct them. This is what you're doing wrong. Don't stand like that. You look like you don't care. Stop wearing those yoga pants because that's not professional. You know, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> the millennials. <laughs> not even they're the millennials. <laughs> I'm sorry, 43 year old housewife. Did you just roll out of bed or are you don't consider this a profession? It's not no? just okay. a voice. It's everything else. Too, oh, yeah. It does communicate. It does communicate something. That's young amazing. people, what you wear communicates something. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> So anyway, I teach them about etiquette, teach them about the unions, what to do, what not to do, um, how to blend with other singers, blah, blah, blah. It's like a intensive. It is an yeah. intensive. That's why I call it an intensive. intensive. So, um, yeah, I, I've had so many amazing things happen. And I never know who's going to show up to these things. Yeah. I've had anywhere from um, as small as 30 up to probably 120 people wow. at a time who come. That's like almost too many. Yeah, it was too many. Yeah. So I like the smaller, the 30. And it was actually the last one that I had, which was two months ago. Um, we were in the studio and I have them singing this gospel song like by Kirk Franklin. And I kept, I kept, as I was hearing them saying, and I'm, you know, I'm instructing them and telling them they're horrible and you're good and you're not <laughs> and go sit down and, um, <laughs> of course you whatever. And, but I kept seeing the word forgiveness, yeah. forgiveness, forgiveness. So I, I just like went with it. I walked in there and I was like, okay, we were at the end of the night. And I said, I kept, I keep seeing this word over all of your heads, forgiveness. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. Yeah. 90% of them. If they're Christians, if they're not, I don't know. I said, I part of what I'm doing here is I want to see your dreams fulfilled. Mm. You were created with the keys to your destiny in your desires. Come on. That's in your amazing. desires, in your that you've had since you were a kid. Yeah. And that's the reason you're here, because you're pursuing that dream. Some of your dreams are blocked because of unforgiveness, things that people have done to you in the past that you haven't been able to let go. And you say, well, they haven't said, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Forgiveness is a choice. And I'll just say, 
and you know, sometimes I'll say I'm a Christian and you know, you may not agree with me. That's okay. But I have you captive right now. So I'm just going to tell you my opinion. Um, and so I took him through this exercise. Like I was like, you took him through inner healing. I did. <laughs> I was like, I want you guys to close your, close your eyes. Um, and I want you to imagine uh, whoever that the person was that first popped into your head when I said you have unforgiveness. Wow. Who is that person or people? And I want you to hold out your hands and put them in your hands. And now I want you to speak to these people for whatever they did to you. You fill in the blank. I choose to forgive you. I choose to forgive you. You're not going to feel like forgiving them. The Bible says that um, Jesus forgave you, so you forgive others. You know, you, you've received so much forgiveness, not because you deserved it, not because necessarily you said, I'm sorry, but Jesus forgave you. Now you forget, you choose to forgive these people and your, your feelings will follow, you know, yeah. your feelings will, will catch up with you. Um, and I'm telling you, it was like, a wave of God just went over the, wow. over the room and people were sobbing. Like, I don't know. Wow. I'm like, Oh dear. Now we have now a problem. <laughs> How do we get this? We need back? a ministry team. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I had a few, a few uh, friends there who were a couple people from your prophetic team were actually yeah. there. And, um, there's so much, uh, prayer and healing and a guy, um, emailed me the next morning and said, when you said what you did tonight, I pictured my wife. We are on the verge of wow. a divorce. We've had trouble for the last nine years and we're literally, we were going to file wow. next week. And I got home after I went through this thing for my wife, I got home and my wife, the look on her face was totally different. We both just immediately broke down crying. We had full reconciliation last night. And we're going to get into counseling now, but we're definitely not getting divorced. I mean, I was like, whoa, okay. So this is how kingdom can meet our industry in the most. So I'm, I'm grateful that I have whatever position I have just that I can, you can minister to people. They're desperate for it. People are desperate for real. Yeah. You, my friend, I, I love just that that presence drivenness on your life. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) Goodbye. Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it, including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe. Come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. Now this is called Something Real and Something Fake with Tim Davis. Yay! <laughs> so based on different things that you are or have done in your life, I'm asking you questions. And the first one is about Glee. I'm okay. going to tell you something real and something fake about Glee. And you All have right. to decide which one was true and which one is not. Let's see how much you know your fellow Glee members. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> Over the years, Glee was nominated for 190 awards, ranging from the Dorian Awards to Grammys. 
and it actually averaged about 10 million people in viewership in its highest season. That's all true. Here's the two facts that may or may not be true. The first one is one of Leah Michelle's most controversial performances was Let It Go. She moodily sang the number and it turned into a revenge breakup song versus a woman's empowerment anthem that it had become. Feminists everywhere were in an uproar and it caused a boycott nationally of the show. Number two, with over 75 top songs to their name in England alone, the show Glee had a number one song that was on the Billboard charts as number one for over four weeks. It was called Don't Stop Believing. And this was also making it number one for Journey, who were so grateful because of the millions made in one short period for a song that was all but dead to a generation of young people. Which one is true? Number two is true. You are so right. Yeah, number one is false. <laughs> a revenge breakup song. Yes, Liam Michelle actually let it go. Was I think one of their top songs that they had on there was like I one of their top twenty. I don't care. I mean, so. I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's really interesting. At the do I do can we comment? Yeah, comment on the on that? Don't stop believing song. There are so many artists that the music supervisor reached out to to clear songs for our show, and they were yeah. like, "No, really, no." In the first season, no. No, forever or just the first. Well, season? At, when Journey's when that all yeah. that hit with Journey, they were like, "Hello, uh, can, can we get back on? Yeah. There, please, can you call us again?" Because that was huge. I mean, it was on the Billboard top. I mean, all of a sudden, yeah. it's, he, all these kids are singing. I remember walking through Disneyland, and I heard like six different little girls singing that song. And I'm like, "You're too young to even watch Glee. What are you doing?" Well, duh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. All right. Ready. Next question. You were the musical arranger and one of the performers of Jane Lynch's Christmas show called Swinging Little Christmas, which is so yes, fun. People need do. to get that CD. It's yes, so good. Yes, they do. Okay, so I have two facts about Jane Lynch, who's one of your close personal friends. Let's yes. see if you know her very well. All right. So number one, Jane's least favorite role was playing Carol Brady in a stage adaptation of The Brady Bunch because she never felt like a Brady, feeling like she was always an outsider. Number two. What was Jane Lynch like in school? Was she friends with the geeks or the jocks? Actually, she was a bit of both. I was one of those happy travelers and really didn't stay in one group. I kind of got around with, without getting humiliated and was in a little bit of everything, she said. Which one is true? It's definitely number two. It is number two. But she did make a comment in a very snide way about mm -hmm. being, you know, Mrs. Brady. And she was like, eh, not my favorite. <laughs> but she, I kind of exaggerated <laughs> So I can imagine her. As and she would always say, happy traveler. That's absolutely what she, <laughs> she would say. She says that, huh? Yeah, she would oh, say so something. Funny. Like you know, a couple, I've told you this a couple of times because I live in Studio City here. And I'll be in line somewhere and she's behind me like at, at uh, Tinder Greens or something. Yeah. And now that I know how, because I didn't know for a long time that you guys were good friends until you told me that. Now that I know you guys are friends, I will definitely turn around because I've always wanted an excuse to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be like, oh, uh, I'll be totally great. I'll be like, Tim Davis is my friend too. <laughs> She'll be like, who? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> you know, sorry, she who? might. I've never had someone do that. Tim who? Exactly. No, you don't I know can't. Tim Davis? Doesn't He's on an album with Doesn't you. Ring a bell. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Lady Gaga, you actually helped produce uh, the musical direction of her halftime show. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Vocally, yes. That's amazing. Like, she was amazing on the show. She I know was, it was controversial. Some people were like, oh, I was that good? She but was I thought she was great. I remember like I looking at Twitter so and people great. were like, Lady Gaga made the show. It was amazing. Yeah. And it's a sporting event and people were talking about her more than the event, which yeah. is, so you did a good job, my friend. Thank that you, Sean. Good. Not just because of me, but others. Thank you. Okay. So here's two facts about Lady Gaga. <clears throat> Lady Gaga had a song come out called Telephone that featured Beyonce. Most artists would be pretty pumped just to sing the phone book with Queen of Bay. 
But Lady Gaga isn't a fan of her 2009 collaboration with the Dusty Child's icon. I hate Telephone. Is that terrible to say? It's a song I have the most difficult time listening to. <laughs> Number two, Lady Gaga hated singing in her breakout role in A Star is Born because she didn't think the music was authentic enough, but all, did enjoy the platform it gave her. Number one is yes. true. Did you know that already? Or you just guessed it? No. I... <laughs> I didn't know that already, but it just sounded more believable. It sounded more believable. And I do not believe that she would have said that about Star is Born. Yeah, because she loved that movie. She loved it. It was like her favorite thing. She, she wrote did. the music. It was what so authentic. Heck? Yeah. Yeah, it was really authentic. So I made that up. <laughs> okay, here's the last question. It's about musical arrangers, and these are two different musical arranger facts. Okay. And you have to guess which one's real. All the right. first one, the musical arranger for Madonna's Like a Prayer video, in which a full gospel choir performed claimed a spiritual experience watching the controversial cross burn in the video. She stated, I saw my life flash before my eyes and realized that I was not in my right field. She later became a competitive fisherwoman winning Alaska salmon crown. My, Number two. My. <laughs> That's quite a, quite a story. That's quite a Number story. Number two, Richard Houston, the musical arranger for the Beatles last number one hit song. Let it be was paid the least in history for musical arrangement of a hit song. It was only 80 pounds. He was happy to be a part of something that was so big, though, and he has since let it be. Which one is true? Well, I'm going to say, I don't know. This is a shot in the dark that number one is true. It is not true. I got oh, you. Yes, yes. I, I literally pulled that out of the air. Like, there's no part of it that's true. <laughs> I was like, I was looking for musical arrangers, and, and someone for Madonna came up, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's a good. Wait, I said that number one's true. The Fisher Woman. Yeah, no, I meant that was false, but oh, that's fine. Okay. I, I, I'll still Houston. give it to you. No, Richard Houston. He, you were right then. Okay, yeah. So he. He was paid 80 pounds and went back after to try and get somebody, not legally, but just was like, hey, guys, wait a minute. This was number one. 80 and pounds? He was wow. paid 80 pounds, and they never paid him anymore, but it gave him a platform that he never regretted because he has music directed a ton of stuff in England since then. So yeah. it's good. Is he still living? He is still alive. He's like in his 80s. Yeah. Well, is thank he you still for musically oh. directing? I'm just being dumb. <laughs> well, thank you for stop talking. You- and thanks for the show. It's a wrap. <laughs> thanks for playing the game with us. Sure. With us. <laughs> All for- Hey, Exploring the Industry listeners, we have an incredible book that I just released just for you. My new book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations is out now. I wrote this book so that you would have a very specific tool to help you use words to define your own history and future with God. Throughout human history, we've seen prayer and the prophetic and declarations shape society, set culture, provide heritage, and bring vision for the future. And when you combine prayers, declarations, and prophecies like you encounter in this book, you become even more intentional about the power of words. Prophecies, prayers, and declarations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. This book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations, will cover topics in finances, resources, family, influence, favor, business, and more. Through this book, I'm inviting you on the journey of learning how to use words to speak in the very fabric of your life, the spiritual realm, and the world around you. I pray that you'll find yourself using and reusing this book as you hear God speak to your heart. You can get our book anywhere books are sold, but if you get it at bullsministries.com and you pre-order it or post-order it, you're going to get a very exclusive teaching series. So I want to encourage you to get it there. Welcome back to Exploring the Industry. And I'm here with Tim Davis, 
I'm having so much fun with you, and we're laughing behind the scenes because you're right. It's in amazing. front of the scenes, too. In front of the scenes, too. It's true. <laughs> but I want to talk about musical direction and arrangement, and then also some of the musical career you're in over the last three or four or five years. What do you actually do? Like, what, like, walk us through some of the, like, you get called by a certain show, like, hmm. and they ask you to, you know, I know American Horror Story called you and said, could you put together a choir? That was a trip. And we, yeah. we don't have to talk about the spiritual locations because what a show. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I but mean, that's like can. normal. Like you, you have all these shows. Yeah. Called. So I, I get, I get called by either, um, usually a composer or a music producer or a music supervisor will call me and ask me to do, put together things like, um, I've been music producer on ABC's The Goldbergs. Yeah. Recently, they had a spinoff show called Schooled. And they've called me for that as well. Like, it's so random, though. Like, they think, I don't know. They're just like, hey, call Tim. He can he can put that together. So they called me for a bell choir. They We, we want a bell choir, like handbells. <laughs> cling, cling, cling. I'm like, okay. Um, like, I don't do all kinds and we of also, <laughs> And we also want you to arrange it. Wow. And um, do it of this song, of this popular song from the 80s, because wow. it's an 80s show. Did you say yes? Of course. Of course I always say yes. You're like, I can do that. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then I find people to help me, and we figure it out, and wow. we delivered. So I cast a, a choir of, like, 12 high school-looking kids playing bells. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and we pre-recorded the bell choir. And then I like I put together groups of singers. I just there's a new show coming out um, called Perfect Harmony, which is going to be on NBC. Like reality or non-reality? Non-reality. Oh, that's really fun. <clears throat> and um, it's going to be to, um, and I'm sure it's going to get picked up. But it's we just we just filmed the pilot, and it's the story of a the, this little community in Kentucky, and there's like a mega church with a choir and then there's like this little ragtag community church low low income with its little choir of like seven people who can't sing so it's like they go to this competition and they face off these two church choirs (laughs) it sounds silly but it's actually very funny and it's very well written that's awesome and um there's music in every episode so i was asked to put together the choir uh for the pre-record and for on camera and a lot of people that you know are in that choir on oh, camera fun. yeah they're doing good at their ndas because they haven't told me uh, <laughs> good yeah. um so uh yeah so i'll i'll get a call and they're like we need this song arranged with a choir okay uh so i i do that and i basically record all the parts myself in my studio oh, okay send it to them and say how does this sound they said it sounds incredible forget about the rest of the singers because you're incredible <laughs> you're <it. laughs> we <clears throat> no one else just yeah. your voice so then i i'll take the singers into the studio and record them okay um and make it sound really nice and then i'll i'll hire a bunch of different singers usually for the on camera because i'm basically casting but they have to approve the headshots. And so they're different people. The ones a lot of times, most of the time, are they ever just actors on set without I'm sorry. singers? Are they ever not singers on set and just actors? Yeah. Okay, yeah. just yeah. extras or something. They're not extras. They're actually because these are all union shows, so they're they're paid as principal actors. Okay. 
Yeah, that's amazing. So it's good. And then you're working on something right now with uh, yourself because you sing, obviously, as part of your career. Mm. You don't just arrange, you sing. And so, like, your newest <laughs> thing would be the thing with Barbara Streisand. Um, yeah. I mean, truthfully, I I was kind of Tim the singer for a very long time. Yeah. A long time. And, and I just felt like over the last number of years, it's like I'm kind of putting that to the side. In fact, I... That whole thing with Jane Lynch, like the the tour that we that we ended up doing and the Christmas record, it was not on my radar. Wow, I was not. I was thinking I'm kind of done with singing, and I'm and I'm okay with it. I just I heard the Lord tell me because I like I was thinking about identity one morning. I was just asking the Lord about it, and I saw Tim the singer, and I heard the Lord say, mm. um, "My kingdom flows through open hands." very fluidly. So just keep your hands open. If you're grasping onto an identity like that, you're never going to be open to receiving what I have for you next. So I just hold everything loosely. I hold Tim, the singer is whatever. Like, I don't even think about that. But if an opportunity comes to sing, I I got called a couple of weeks ago to sing uh, with Barbara Streisand in London. And um, man, I mean, I'm like, wow, I'm thrilled. Yeah. I mean, she's... From what I've heard from other people, one of my friends is musical directing for a lot of people behind the scenes, and he said that Barbara would be one of the pickiest people because she needs pitch perfect or it throws her off. Like even a little bit. She's she's extremely um and he described it as a good thing. He was no, not, he says amazing. She's so discerning about every nuance of the production from wow. from stage design to notes on the piano. Like she she knows what she's wow. doing and she knows what she likes and she and she likes people around her who are confidently skilled who are yeah. excellent at, at their craft and she has no tolerance for people who aren't yeah <laughs> which i get it i love that no you're the same way which is amazing i am the same i am the same yeah i'm super honored to be asked to do that that'll, so tell me because that's amazing like that's i love that god's bringing something back front and center it's not just with someone it's like with someone who's you know the queen of a whole genre of music, you know, yeah. someone that's iconic, but tell me about like some of your favorite experiences in the last 10 years of just your career. Give me some of your highs. Well, I did, I did work with her on her tour two years, three years ago, um, and got her background singers together and okay. worked with her on arranging certain things, um, for the vocals. That was a highlight. Um, Gosh, I wasn't prepared for this question. <laughs> it is funny when you oh, ask people I know. directly, when I ask anybody in the entertainment industry directly, what's your highlights from the last, you know, whatever, however many years, all of them blank, even if they're currently an amazing thing. Yeah, just like, it's hard. What am I working on? Because you all work so hard. It's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of diverse. I, I worked on um, Tyler, the creator's record. Oh, really? And I got it. So... For 24 years, I've been singing radio ID jingles, which are like 102.7, kiss FM, right? I got you to sing. Ha ha. I did it. Um, <laughs> did you sign that form yet that we're going to play this? Uh, so I, I've been doing those for 23 years around, like for stations around the world. So we probably crazy. all heard you. Oh, like I've had more airplay times. time than wow. any artist in history. I promise. <laughs> It's no, no joke. Um, so this manager of Tyler creators manager knew 
because I had worked with them on another with another artist. They knew that I did these jingles. Yeah. And Tyler had told their manager, I want to do like jingles on my record, like in between the songs. I want jingles. And she was like, Oh, I know the guy. So she called me. That's so funny. And then she hooked me up with Tyler directly. And so we were like, we sent each other vo- these voice memos. It was hilarious. Like I, I still have them. It's just so weird. Like here's yeah. this like way out there, young pop. Well, not pop ish guy that is totally not in my genre of <laughs> my world. But um, he, so I was like, Hey, um, I have some ideas for you. I heard you want these. And he's like, yeah. And I like the ones that sound like they're from the seventies. So I, I started, he'd send me over like a, a track of beats or whatever. And then I'd just sing on top of it, whatever I wanted with his lyrics. Cause he has a, he has this thing called golf G O L F. And so I did this kind of arrangement of these. And I recorded it all, and I was like, okay, we'll go into the studio, and um, I'll get the singers in there, and it'll really sound incredible. Okay, great. Well, then two weeks later, he's sending me all these tracks stuff. He goes, okay, I think we got it. I was like, okay, so should I schedule the session? He goes, no, it's done, right? Like, we've finished it. I said, I just sent you roughs of my voice. Like, I recorded, like, I don't know how many passes, like 36 of Tim from top to bottom and so he's like no it's already on the record like it's being mastered <laughs> <laughs> i'm like amazing. what i don't know that was just like I a rough board this. mix i'm totally I'm not sure if you, you don't want to do that you don't want to do that <laughs> it is not approved for yeah. christian audiences <laughs> mr only anyway so that was kind of fun and that gave me some street cred with my kids yeah exactly. um i want to talk about um, a show that not enough people watched which was boy band where you actually did facetime on camera mm. and i really liked the show because um we got to see something i think is going to evolve i i'm i guess i'm prophesying no <laughs> it's going <laughs> to evolve more because there was something about you not just the singer the musical arranger the whole thing but all of a sudden being the coach on camera mm-hmm. and i was watching these young guys i actually got to go out with you with some of them um mm-hmm. one night too i remember at that hotel yeah um burbank and and just we were eating or whatever and something inside of you, because you're such a father, you're just such a, you're just a mentor, a father, naturally, you're a coach, but something that show, I think the chemistry of it, I saw you, I saw like a version of you that I was like, that's, there's more of Tim I'm seeing in this that I, you know, that I think is emerging. That's really important mm. that in front of camera, Tim, who is helping you were calling I mean, you were holding him accountable. You were calling him higher. You were telling him when they sucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was pretty cool to watch. And I just because we're friends, I wa- I'm not a boy band person, but I watched the whole thing and I really enjoyed their process because of you. Mm. And I think a lot of like there was a lot of comments. Like if you look at Rotten Tomatoes on the show, there was comments about you. There was like you mm. specifically. It wasn't just I, I think you kind of stole the show from the other judge type people. They, people were interested in the boys and you, mm. not as much everything else. And so what was that like? Wow, that was um, <clears throat> that was a really cool thing. And we interestingly we were coming out of a kind of a desert my wife and i at, um where god was taking us through a transition into a new phase of really our lives in an amazing amazing way and this this show was kind of the first step in that direction and i remember you know like i i, I had to live at the hotel because we were just on 24 yeah. 7 you know i was rehearsing with the guys at night and 
it was, I was on call all the time. So I lived in this hotel and in the mornings I would, I would get up and I'd just walk around the parking lot, this abandoned parking lot and just pray and walk and pray and walk and pray and walk. And I, I really felt, um, the spirit of God on me during that time for, with, with these guys in particular, um, you know, I was able to lead one of them to the Lord and I, I truly was like pastoring them, like mentoring them every day. Like they would come to me with their problems or their tears or, you know, whatever their anger, whatever I would help them resolve conflicts, whatever. And it was so natural and they all called me dad and, you know, mm. whatever. But um, it was so rewarding on on that level just of, you know, being in a position to truly care about, especially kids that age. Yeah. Who were so like the youngest was like 14, I think. Oh, you wow. Know? I didn't know it was that young. Yeah, 14 to 23. Two years okay. old or something, um, and meeting their parents and like getting involved with the, all of their families and everything. It was really a, a special. It was a special thing, and I loved being on camera. That was not something that I was supposed to have done. Um, I was not hired. I was hired as an off-camera like okay. vocal producer. So you talent. All of a sudden, you became well on the first day of shooting. On the first day of rehearsals, like. I was in there and I was, I don't know, I was just being, I was just doing what I do. <laughs> and uh, they came running in with cameras and mic'd me up and I'm like, what's happening? Well, you're, you, we're going to film you. We're going to film you. I was like, okay. And so then I was like on, on camera and then I was a huge celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> huge. I saw your billboard on Hollywood <laughs> Boulevard. No, but really though, I mean, I think like it's something that I know only God can make those kinds of things happen, but I was like, this is, it was fun to see that because I felt like, you know, when you see, you see it kind of on the voice, you see the coaches who are ahead in their career and they help someone believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really a beautiful process. Sometimes it's contrived. Mm -hmm. But what I loved about you was, you know, you have that Simon Cowell side that's not afraid to be really brutally honest, but you are also a lover. Like, and Simon's really, I like Simon. He's like one of my favorite kind of judges person period, but he doesn't have that love side on camera. Mm -hmm. He has it off camera. He's actually talked to several of my friends and actually really been a fatherly type figure to them. But there was something I was like, this part of you needs to be seen more. This Mm -hmm. part of you needs to happen more. And so I'm really praying for that. I think it's going to be really exciting for the future. Thank you. So that I I say, I did one of your career highlights for you. Thank you. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about Boyd. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about career highlights. It's great. So what would you say if someone was really interested in getting involved in a musical career in the entertainment industry for real? Because we have all the wannabes. Obviously, American Idol has shown us what not to do. Yeah. You know? I think in any, no matter what you want to do, and yeah. if it's in the industry, find your specific niche well, I'm really good at everything. Like I can act and I can dance and I can sing. No, you can't. Just find one thing yeah. that you're really great at. If you do happen to be skilled at all three of those, be as skilled as you can. Yeah. I think skill, um, do you see a do you see a person of great skill? They will stand before kings. Mm-hmm. They will not stand before unknown men. It's Proverbs twenty two. So why does God want to place you before kings so that you can influence them 
and so that he can eventually raise you up as a king, right? So um, be a person of excellence at everything you do, from the way you present yourself to your specific craft. Be the most skilled so that you stick out wherever you go, not because you're boasting, but just because your talent is jutting out beyond everyone else. Um, and then if you have skill and humility, that's the winning combination. Wow. Humility is the pathway to greatness. If you want to be lifted up by God, be the most skilled you can be. He'll set you before Kings and humble yourself under his mighty hand and he'll lift you up. Wow. There's my answer. That's a great answer. It's interesting because I was in a a weird writer's group for like, we did it once a year for um, this, this group. They were all writers in Hollywood. And one of them was um, Roma Downey was there with her husband, Mark. And I didn't really meet them. They were just happened to be, there was a lot of people. And one of the guys said, Mark, when can you tell when someone loses their humility, when they're trying to work on one of your shows or whatever? And he said, (laughs) it usually happens in the first two years and then they become irrelevant. If they lose their humility, they're irrelevant from that point on. Mm. And I just thought, you know, when you're saying that, it's like the industry knows, like people know right away, like if they want to work with you or not. Mm-hmm. And if you start to get in time, and the hard thing is your agents and your managers are pushing against you to say you're worth more, value yourself higher. Da, 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 da. And then you see like even in acting, let's say people are all being paid scale right now, except for a certain percentage of people. And then you have someone who's been on like one show or two shows and like, I want this much above scale. And they're literally turned down or they disappear in the conversation because like we can have 99% of people at scale yeah, and you're not that special. Yeah. And so there's that place where a lot of times you have to be your own advocate, but at the same time, if you're a Christian, you have to let God be your advocate and you have to listen and navigate. And I think that's, what's beautiful about you is that you've, you've really navigated and listened this whole time. So tell me a story about that. And it may take you a second to think about it. Tell me a story about, how you've had to navigate more recently with the Holy spirit, as far as your own career, not just like the things you're doing for others. I love you're doing um, these intensives. I love that you're doing <clears throat> musical arrangements and all that, but what is somewhere where maybe you had to say no, or you had to pull away or you had to say, you know, I can't do that because of this. Well, recently we've been in we're we are in the middle of right now, a huge transition. And we're, I feel like it's actually happening like right now, Wow! (laughs) like right in this month, right now. Um, and I, I've heard the Lord and man, I've, have I gotten word after word from different people? Like it's going to get really busy. You, you better like gear up and take, spend this time with your family. Take, take time off, take time off. It's going to get really busy. Um, and I've, I've also sensed the Lord saying, you don't, you know, you can take, you don't have to take everything that comes your way. Don't, don't worry about any jobs coming your way. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you feel anything that's like, and I have felt like I I got called for a pentatonics record and I, I really enjoy those guys and I wanted to do this job, but the Lord was like, no, don't do wow. that. You don't have to do that. And you've helped them in the past. Yeah. So, so it is hard. So I, I passed that job off to 
a friend that I trust and, um, you know, I help navigate it, but I, I, there was a part of me in the past who's like, and you know, it probably, there was probably some pride mixed in here. I'm going to say, but there's a part of me that was like, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's something in me that says that. Yeah. So no, it makes sense. I have to be, it, it took a lot for me to be just like, okay, here you go. <clears throat> but of course it turned out great. I mean, um, I heard great things. So, but I feel like that it's kind of, again, it's that thing of holding everything loosely and listening. It takes intimacy with Jesus and time with him. Not going, 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 you know, like, so I, I've been in this, in this transition of letting things go so that I can be open to what's coming. That's huge. I mean, I I think the currency (laughs) of the entertainment industry is you don't say no, because if you do, yeah. Um, especially, I think a lot of industries are like this. If you say no once, you don't get invited back to the table. And so people are afraid of saying no. And then also they're afraid of what might not come. So if I say no to this now, this might be the only thing. So to walk in the level of faith to say, I'm going to walk with you, God. Like I'm, this is your career, not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm getting smart enough now to where everything I've said I won't do, I'm doing like a faith-based show. Hi. (laughs) I said I would never do this, but I'm really enjoying it. <clears throat> but uh, now I'm using reverse psychology and God, and I'm saying I would never be a billionaire. <laughs> I would never have a private plane, so I don't have to travel commercial. You know, it's not working yet. But I do think it's funny because, like, the things we a lot of times there's certain things that grade us that we're actually interested in, but we are interested in a dysfunctional way mm-hmm. because we're going to participate at some point in it. Let me just say one thing yes. backing up because um, you kept talking about I'm afraid if I don't do this, or I'm afraid if I say no to this, whatever. The spirit of fear rules over the industry. You know, a lot of people have been saying that on this show. Is that true? Yeah. They've been saying there's something about fear. It's just a fear-driven industry. It's so fear. And I've seen it so many times. And the only remedy for that is the perfect love of God. Mm -hmm. So if you want to, I mean, you cannot, I don't know how people exist. I, I really don't know how they do it. Like survive in this industry living under that fear and believers so many believers that i know that are just like (sighs) like oh my gosh i just want to slap them (laughs) that's that perfect love that's manifesting (laughs) i'm a little confused (laughs) no i want to go into like as i think of when we were telling your story part a story portion of this you were talking about how you guys felt called to come to la from nashville and Mm -hmm. now you have a 14 year old daughter here Mm -hmm. and I'm just, it's funny because you don't see the dominoes when you're doing it, but just like you were telling me that she feels called to be an artist Mm -hmm. and how this land compared to Nashville is an artist. Like Nashville's kind of an artist graveyard in a way. Sorry, Nashville. (laughs) Sorry, microphone. (laughs) Sorry, Nashville. But um, but LA is actually an incredible place of fine arts and arts. Yeah. And so just it's interesting that part of her calling that she's discovered as a 14-year-old and that she's had prophetic words over and just some mm-hmm. indicators from is coming alive right now. Yeah. And then I think of your wife and I just think of you guys together, like talk about navigating artistic and creative industries as a family. Um, I think early on in my career, cause we, we live uh, a good hour away from anything that's happening in LA. And we knew that, you know, when we moved out to 
help plant that church that we were going to be down there. We never thought we'd move into LA. Um, we've been down there now 20 years. So I spent a lot of time in the car driving and, you know, coming back. But one really amazing thing was my wife felt called to homeschool. So she homeschooled our son. Oh, wow. Um, Who's playing baseball right now. Yeah, he's he's 21 now. He's in Pennsylvania playing it's amazing. ball. Um, that's a miracle story in itself. But he he because he was homeschooled, he would stay up till all hours. We weren't one of those families that's like, we're very structured with our bedtimes. And we have naps here and we have eating here. And but we were like, whatever, because our schedule was so all over the yeah. place. You know, some days I'd be working through the night, and then I'd have three days off. And then, you know, it's just crazy. So we adapted our our lifestyle as a family to my schedule. Oh wow! So Christian would stay up. I I get home at like eight uh, nine o'clock at night, and then we watch movies till one a.m. Wow! You know, or just like play games or cuddle on the couch or what? I mean, it's just like so we navigated we navigated our schedule that way, and um, it really worked for us. Um. I will say that my wife is amazing. Like there was such a grace on her to be married to someone so crazy. Like I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> she calls me the tornado when I come in to the house, you know, cause I'm like, Woo! like I can, whatever. Uh, um, but she's just like so steady and she's, she has such a gift of wisdom and she she truly is like the wisest person I know, but she's, she's just very, there's never been one time where she's been like, um, you said you were going to be home at nine and it is now nine 30. So wow. not one time. That's amazing. In 24 years of marriage. Um, she's like, I trust you. You're taking care of our family. I'm taking care of our home. We're all good. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, the the horror stories that I hear about the fights and the all of that. I mean, God, when God brought us together, we were a little older in our twenties, um, and we had both been through a lot of therapy. And <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, helps. seriously. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I asked you is because you guys have a solid marriage and solid like your kids they look at you with a look that's like, you're my best friend, but you're my dad. Mm -hmm. Like when you see your kids and how they stare at you, mm -hmm. it's really beautiful. And your wife, she adores you and you adore her. But a lot of times I feel like in these relationships and in entertainment industry, because there's not a plan or there's not a proactive, like walking with God through it, everything's happening to you. And then mm -hmm. it's happening to your family. Mm -hmm. And for when it's happening to you, it's like, oh, okay, my career's happening. But when it's happening to your family, it's the fallout. So we see, I think it's like a 75% divorce rate amongst people who work in the entertainment industry right mm -hmm. now, which is really sad, mm -hmm. but I love that God's, you know, put on your family, just solid family. Like you guys are actually walking. That's why I was saying, how, how are you navigating? Um, what is like, so your daughter feels the artistry and we'll see how it goes. She's 14. So she'll probably do a lot of things in life. Your son is doing baseball right now. What is your wife feeling? Her calling is now that her kids are. You know, she's not having it's interesting because present. she she um has always been like she's she looks like a movie star, she sings like an angel, but she's never wanted to do anything but be a wife and a mom. Wow. Like I used to try to hire her for 
film scores and different things. And she's like, do I have to get in? Do I have to get ready and like go into LA? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. No, I don't think so. That's like, you do realize that people would give their left arm to do this job. Yeah. Yeah, not not for not me. me. Yeah. Then I have to get a babysitter. Then I oh, I, I have it. to put my eyelashes on. No. <laughs> so <laughs> at least she has standards of what she has to do. You know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, she's never, so there's no, there was never any competition there, you know? Um, what was I going to, what did you ask me? Cause I I just lost it. What's in her heart to do? Oh yeah. Yeah. So she's always been behind the scenes, very like, and content, just loving it. But she has been thinking about, you know, what am I going to do after, after the kids are grown and, you know, um, and my goodness, over the last six months or so, she's she's had a vision about writing a couple of books. Wow. Um, she has gotten out of the blue com- confirming words about that from people who barely know her. And then also she has a background in acting. Okay. And I know that there's something in her that would love to do that. Well, we talk about it, but she's she's not going to be like, okay, I'm going to get an agent. I'm going to go auditions. Like, no, thank you. It's yeah. whatever happens is going to be like an organic sort of whatever. But I, there's also been a lot of prophecy surrounding that over her about um, coming into mm-hmm. something new that's been kind of dead for a while. Yeah. Um. So I'm really excited to see what happens with her. And I, you know, it's like feeling a sense of zero competition. Yeah. Which I think well, is hard it's for not some competition. Sometimes just people feel like you're out of sync because like the husband or whoever has a career that's more external, they are doing their whole thing and they have this whole world and your wife doesn't care to go to the parties or the after events or whatever else. Just like my boy wife doesn't a lot of times. Sometimes yeah. she's really present. Other times she's like, I don't, I'm the kids are little, like I don't need to do that right now. Right. Yeah, and sometimes we don't experience this, but sometimes people get really out of sync in their worlds, where their mm-hmm. relational circles start start changing and they don't right. overlap anymore, or their activities don't overlap as much. And so it's really cool to see that, like the security that both of you have for each other's roles and life. But do you guys have like, do you guys have assessment talks that just happen organically? As far as like, here's where I'm at, because I know Sheree for me, she'll say, just so you know, over the next few months, we're so busy. This is the kind of thing I don't want to do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, recently I was like, Hey, cause she's been traveling more, um, singing with this gospel group that we both started with like 25 oh, wow. years ago. She's been singing more with them. So she'll, she'll be like, okay, so I'm planning on going to, um, Atlanta on these days. And then I'm going to stay a little bit longer because one of my friends is there. So just checking with you to make sure that's okay. Now I can't plan in my life. Like I, I don't, I have no idea what I'm going to get called for tomorrow. So, um, so I'm like, sure, go ahead. Um, not like she's asking my permission, but you know, she's checking in to make sure there's nothing because I did say, I I wish you were here. Like, well, I hate that you're gone again. Cause I had this premiere that I wanted to go with you to, which was the one that we went to together. Oh, yeah. And I, 
I was like, you know, because the other guys were there with their wives, and I'm just like tagging along. I mean, you know I don't mind that, but I want my wife there. I want my wife with me. She's like, I understand, but I, you know, what I'm doing, I feel called to do as well. Yeah. So not just when it's convenient for you. She put you in I, check. <laughs> I, always. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always like, <laughs> walking away <laughs> but and, and it's the way she says it she, yeah. i'm just like oh why do you have to be the way you are yeah. um so yeah it takes you know again if you if there's strife in your relationship it's always because there's pride somebody's walking wow. in pride wow. because you cannot have strife without uh pride it's proverbs 13 so if there's a conflict, this is what we've trained ourselves in. Like, okay, I'm feeling like mm, towards you right now, somebody's walking in pride and it's probably me. Yeah. That's right? so profound. Yeah. So you humble yourself and then the grace of God comes in Yeah, and communication flows, you know? So, um, that's kind of how, we're we're not fighters melody and i we we don't yell never really have yeah it's been it's been you know not a perfect faultless journey but my gosh i all i can say is thank you god for sending me the woman that you did yeah she's amazing yeah amazing and if you she's the kind of person that if you get into a party situation she'll just be like this <laughs> but if you get her one-on-one -on -one and she, she opens goes, her mouth yeah. you better listen because yeah. what's going to come out of her mouth is profound wisdom always always that's awesome i love you honey <laughs> i love you too honey Bye -bye. <laughs> what with that oh my goodness uh and by the way my daughter um sang with her ukulele on Instagram and a friend of mine who's a two-time Grammy award winner um, texted me. He's like, why am I not doing a record on your daughter? Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't know. Why aren't you? So he flew down. He was, he lives in Northern California. He flew down, met with her two weeks ago and they're doing her first EP. Oh my gosh. It's What's crazy. Song? Is it her own song or is it? Yeah, she's song? written. That's amazing. She's I haven't written, heard this. She's oh, written yeah. like seventy-three songs. Oh my gosh! She's. I'm. I'm telling you. I'm like so YouTube far name. beyond. What's her YouTube name? So we watch it. Um, it's not on YouTube. It's oh, okay. on Instagram, and it's Summer. I think it's Summer Joy Davis. Okay, Summer Joy Davis. We'll look for Summer it. Joy Davis. We'll put it in lower thirds. <laughs> That's amazing. Right here. That's yes. right here. You see it? <laughs> no, that's great. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be great. No, to so funny. Just to kind of wrap that thought up, is I was asking the family because you guys moved out here and it was really a family purpose. It wasn't mm -hmm. just a Tim Davis thing, his career. Exactly. You guys came out first for the church plant, but you really, your family started to blossom out here in a way that you wouldn't have predicted. And I think it's the thing of if we're going to do these kinds of journeys with God our process isn't going to be by our own leading mm -hmm. and we're not going to get a result. We could have predicted, but we're going to get a God result where he's going to lead us into a way that we wouldn't have necessarily chosen. He says that to Peter, right? When Peter's complaining about John, he goes, Jesus goes, Hey, you're going to be led in a way that you wouldn't go mm -hmm. and you're going to feel blind basically. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's kind of him saying, I'm going to give you a result that only I could produce in your life. 
And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And I think yeah. that's amazing. So I, I just love that for your family because your family in Nashville, who knows how they would have, I'm sure it would have been fine, but who knows mm. how they would have turned out. But in LA, they have the ambition to play baseball, the ambition to do music and yeah. art, the ambition to, you know, all those things. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And now uh, my wife just heard from the Lord recently, like a year and a half ago. And I did. And then I heard at the same time, it was when we were on boy band that we we're supposed to move to LA. Yes. And um, so it's happening. Yeah. Um, and the vision is to have a home church, um, church, but like an environment in our home where people can come and truly feel safe, mm -hmm. like celebrities who wouldn't feel safe at going to a church, yeah. um, to really truly let down and be who they are to receive deep ministry there and prayer and care. That's our, that's, that's our vision and God is really breathing on it. I think I know that's amazing. So against all odds, like it, it, it's the whole thing. If I told you the whole thing, it's like impossible in the natural, but God's. Well, doing, you have told me, and I know it's impossible. I love it. <laughs> God's doing things it. even in the last numbers, even in the last few days wow. that are like blowing my mind. Yes. So. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. This has been great. I love the conversation and I love um, just you, your version of you, who you've fought to be. And how that brings so much to the world around you. It's so great. Thank Thanks, you. Sean. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Industry, our brand new podcast. And it's actually part of the podcast family of Exploring the Prophetic. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly stories on Wednesdays that are everyday people like you and I who are hearing God and God is changing our options. He's changing our world. He's transforming culture around us because we're saying yes and obedience to God. And then on Fridays, we have Exploring the Industry. So make sure to subscribe and you're going to hear these amazing stories twice a week and we need these stories right now. I know if, if you're like me, you need the encouragement. So come join the conversation. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's going to change the world through the entertainment industry. And we want to invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe. Hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.